So his rendition on Sam Smith's Stay With Me was... It gets me in my tears. Oh, won't you <laughs> stay with me? Mm. All the, oh, I don't know the words. <laughs> All I need. Something like that. <laughs> and when it, when it's play to see. Why don't you know words to songs? I, dude, I just don't know it's the words to songs. Thing. I just don't know the words. <laughs> Oh, I can't like by the first and you start off so strong though. That's it's so funny not in part. here. It's not in my brain. The only thing that's in my brain is the tune. It's the melody. Yes, you got the tune. I know and the usually tune. the first line. Yeah, I know the tune. That, and I know like, the melody. Blah blah blah. Yeah, everything else is just not there. It just isn't in my brain. I'm telling you. Absolutely. And I tried to tell people that all throughout my college years, and I was trying to memorize freaking songs and other freaking languages. And I was like, I can't do this. This is gonna take me one thousand percent more effort than it's gonna. Take all of you because I cannot remember this crap. <laughs> it's such and a real I would. <laughs> and it would make me so nervous because I'm like, I'm going to forget these words. There's no possible way I'm going to remember these words. It's not possible. These were just <laughs> random just syllables. How am I supposed to remember that when I can't remember stuff. English words? <laughs> So that's crazy. frustrating because it's I can see it that it's so real <laughs> that you really blank out, but you know the tune perfectly. I, yeah. <laughs> it's like the tune you got memorized, but for some reason I don't even have to try to memorize the tune. Exactly. So that's the thing. It's like it's just it's just there. But some disconnect happens with the word that goes with the tune, <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> like I know it says this, but I don't know the words that fill in this space. <laughs> I, I mean, it's bad. It's so bad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thursday Night Stir Fry podcast. It's been a minute. <laughs> Two minutes. It's been a couple of minutes. <laughs> Just um, close to an hour. But we're here. I am Micah, and this is... Jimmy. And this is the Thursday Night Stir Fry podcast. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate um, you, you engaging us and, and allowing us to talk about random things. Random um, is the word. So time constraints this week. I did not make any food. We literally just ate Chick-fil-A because... Just timing. I didn't have a lot of time you to do stuff. Wrong with just all sorts though. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I love Chick Fil A, but <clears throat> I don't know, I'd still prefer the Popeyes chicken sandwich. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah I, I can officially. I don't think I've ever even had Popeyes at all. That was my first time to eat Popeyes. <laughs> was when that chicken sandwich phrase was going. Yeah, I, was I, like, don't, I don't. I got to find out for myself. I do we got to like dance chicken. though. Uh-oh. Three, two. Mm-mm. Sorry, I totally butchered that countdown, but <laughs> he said two. Oh. <laughs> I just looked at my phone and it says that I have 5GE here and 5GE is a scam. 
You don't got no 5G. It's a scam. You don't got no 5G. AT&T, <laughs> stop scamming people with stop your 5G. Lying. This is not 5G yet. They're okay? explaining why you had to pay $200 this month. That's so <laughs> silly. It's not 5G. It's I don't even I don't even know. Maybe it does have an actual purpose, but it's just stupid. It's not yeah. actually 5G. They're just preparing you. It's 5GE. What the heck is that? It's nothing. It's Greater just want people eggs. to feel like they're ahead of the time or something. Man, it's I, don't, I actually don't know. There might be actually a purpose for it, but I don't think so. I think it literally is just like uh, them being silly. <clears throat> okay. Tell me. So this week on um, Thursday Night Stir Fry, um, fair warning, I don't actually know how this conversation is going to go. Um, I'm scared. I have no idea. I Just for the listeners, it might there might be some adultish things things but if i had kids i would talk about these things with my kids so oh. i don't know just if you have kids listening maybe i'm a kid still so um, i don't know if i can it's not going to be anything explicit Ooh. unless jimmy gets explicit i'm not going to get explicit but just just adult birds and bees content type of conversation but um How so my first made? question is jimmy did you finish watching yes yes I okay did. so and i by the way i didn't tell you this i have a i have a a, co- a, a conversation that I want to flow into out of the Nanette conversation. Interesting. And I only can assume that it's God's will for this to happen because just today I found out about something that we'll get to that happened recently in the Christian world and fits perfectly with Uh-oh. with this the, the, the Nanette conversation. So if you don't know what Nanette is or what I'm referring to, which I have a feeling that the majority of the people who listen to this won't know what it is. <laughs> I was like, if you do, um, you're weird. So I didn't know. there's a Nanette is the title of a comedy um, special special hour mm-hmm. or whatever they whatever you call it, um, done by a woman named Hannah Gadsby, mm-hmm. and she. <clears throat> um, I can't remember. It's actually been out for a good bit. Nanette has been out for it. It aired a, 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 quite a while ago. I don't I don't remember how long ago, but. Um, the the special went viral amongst m- many different circles of people. Not one of them not being the Christian circle. Oh yeah, because like, because the topic of Nanette and the things that she ta- she uh, she addresses and the things that she is being funny about are just not things that we talk about. They're just not nor in general. We find funny, especially not in the way that she talks about that, and <laughs> also not in the way that we find funny. However, which is okay. Well, let's just I, my first question to me. <laughs> Is can we talk about no number one like why people might why people in our circle of people why they would start watching Nanette and then quickly stop watching it? Yeah, that was me the first time. <laughs> yeah, so why did that? What like what is that response? And um, it comes from what we find natural and accepted. Um, and to me, it was like, is this a Comedy Central or is this a, what is this? <laughs> like, I'd gone five minutes without laughter and from watching Kevin Hart and David Chappelle and stuff, I can't go five minutes, two minutes without laughing. So I was like, what, what is going on? Is she trying to actually, actually change my perspective on things? That's not what, I mean, I'm paying you to make me laugh. <laughs> like, what is this about? Okay, well, you weren't paying her to do anything. <clears throat> and, okay. So Nanette is on Netflix if you want to watch it. I think that people should watch it. Um, and if you're going to watch it, you have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, because I, I stopped okay. early. And we'll get there. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll discuss the ending. But 
if you're if you start watching it, please, please just put up with any of the 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 things that are triggering you, and get through the whole thing. Because the important message of this is at the end, or it's towards the end, and I think that for people in our circle, it will be very easy for them to get triggered by many things before the end. Correct. And that would make them stop watching it. And so <clears throat> let me just tell you that this is not a normal comedy special. No. And that was actually one of the big complaints. And it's actually really funny. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, there's a bunch of reviews on it. And like all of the reviews from just the normal people are like, I thought I was going to watch a comedy special, <laughs> but I left feeling like I had watched an hour long TED talk. <laughs> zero, zero stars, you know? And I'm like, okay, but clearly that was the point. Yeah. That intentionally, like she's she doing, doing that intentionally. She's yeah. trying to make a point and she's using the platform that she has to do it. And the platform that she has is one is a, of, of a comedian. She's been a comedian for like 15 years or something. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, like that's what, that's the platform she has. And she is addressing an issue that she has found inside of community, inside of comedy, but also just inside of our world in general. And sure. then, inside of the society, especially westernized culture. Mm-hmm. So she's using her platform to do that. And so like all the people that are like, this is, this is just, just should have just been a Ted talk, not a comedy special. I didn't laugh at all. You know, it's like, you're kind of missing the point, you know, like, of course you didn't really laugh because that wasn't the point of this. Yeah. It's, it was, it was painted as a comedy special because again, that's her platform. And so like, that's, that was her aim. And and to be fair, yeah. To be fair, like there are some there are some jokes in there, and there's actually <laughs> a couple that I that I wrote down that not only do I find them to be funny, but like there's a deeper meaning in the joke that she doesn't even address, which I think that is what makes a good joke. If you can tell a joke and everybody's laughing, and then you don't even have to address the deeper meaning, but everybody gets it. Like that's a good joke, and I think she actually tried to explain that to people. Like they're d- even like how jokes are said and everything. Yeah. and she was like, "Yeah, by the way, you're gonna hear it this way because this is how they're presented, and I'm just gonna leave you hanging sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not gonna explain, and it's gonna be funny. Yeah. yeah, right. But I but I also do get that the this style of comedy is not one that fits well amongst people in our community and or in our circle. So, yeah. okay, so. Did you fully answer, like, why? Like, did you feel uncomfortable, or was it just a matter of, like, you were saying that I'm just not, is this a, I don't know what this is. I'm not laughing at it. Yeah. And to be fair, I didn't warn you. I was just like, hey, watch oh, this. Yeah. And that's the thing. <laughs> so, one, I definitely had, so I've gotten into watching Survivor. Don't judge me. Um, and so it was on at the same time that this was going on, and I'm like, bro, okay. Oh, wait, you chose when to watch Nanette. What are you talking about? Yeah, but when I first started it, there was uh, Survivor was also on. Survivor was also okay. on, and I knew uh, my body was going to turn off in about an hour and a half. So I'm like, oh, okay, what do I do? But today's the only day I have off. Okay, I'll do my net today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I start watching, and I'm just like, hold up, what, what is this? This is different because the last comedy special we watched was Dave Chappelle, and from the jump, just yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it's just I mean, Dave Chappelle's a legend, so and he, you know, his way of doing things, I guess I connect with more. I'm like, hold on, what is going on here? Like, she is challenging everything that is around society or whatever. So I was like, okay, this isn't what he had warned me it was going to be like. I, I didn't warn you. And I sort of <laughs> did that intentionally, but then you had the opposite reaction that I wanted you to have. So, yeah, I was like, you know what? I need to be in a different mindset for this. Right. That's <laughs> so why a warning could have been nice. Because I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to chill out. She's I'm pretty <laughs> sure I told Jimmy, hey, watch this this comedy special called Nanette. And that's like all I said. Period. <laughs> and so in his mind, it's, oh, I'm gonna this is going to be funny. Because, and because it was right off the back of us 
watching the Dave Chappelle. Exactly. So, yeah. So I mean, I, I okay, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, um, I need to be like awake and focused for this. Oh, well, then I have to be, <laughs> in, a, <laughs> have to be in a different set <laughs> mindset. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it didn't work out at first, but it, overall, I mean, I would still say it was pretty nice. And there were some parts where I was like, that's actually pretty funny. Right. So, um, so if you, me. just so everyone, if you're listening, uh, if you, if you haven't watched Nanette, that's fine. I'm going to try to give contextual clues to whatever the things we talk about so that you'll at least understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously having watched it and then listening to this podcast would make more sense, but it's not going to be necessary because I'm hopefully I'm going to give enough context to where it makes sense. But hopefully, um, and that's Nanette s- with two ends. I won't say where the ends go. Actually, no, I think it's just N-A-N-E-T-T-E. No wonder I wasn't finding it. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is two ends. I don't know. <laughs> you should find ends. it either way. Like the if algorithm you do one, if you inside do one of... End, it's like, oh, it pulls up. Okay, well, I, whatever. Anyway, just search for Nana. You should be able to find it. It's on Netflix. Um, so at what point, this. like... At what point do you, do you feel like... Okay, this is going somewhere not where everybody thinks it's going to go. Oh, yeah, about the 25-minute point <laughs> where... Because, again, she was flirting with serious, then <clears throat> joke, right. serious she'd, joke. She'd do, like, a, a joke, and then she'd be like, by the way, I'm thinking about quitting comedy. <laughs> yeah, like... And she's, like, she serious kept, about and it. And she just kept a straight face. I'm like, oh, that's not a joke. Right. Um, and so she kept flirting with it, flirting with it. Then she was like, nope, now we're about to go full on, like, this is real. And it's like you could hear it. And she's like, by the way, I enjoy tension. Not attention, tension. Tension, yeah. And so I was like, oh, the tension is real. And so at that point, around 25-minute mark, I was like, oh, okay, time to brace yourself. Um, yeah, it, it gets it, – there's a definite shift that happens. And if you watch it, you'll you'll feel it. Like you can yeah. – it's oh, you yeah, can present. feel the shift. <laughs> yeah. Because um, she is really good at manipulating the tension and bringing tension and then resolving the tension. And she explains that in the special. And I think she's very right. I think she is really good at like bringing that tension up and then like resolving it. But then the whole purpose of this whole thing is that like she isn't, she's done resolving the tension because yeah. the, 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 her, her whole thing, um, and we can get into this more, but the whole, her whole thing is like for too long she's been resolving the tension that she causes. And she doesn't want to have to do that anymore. And the reason she has to do that is because she's different. So the whole thing is, is number one, that she's gay. And she grew up in... Uh, Tasmania? In Tas- is it Tasmania or New- somewhere over in... Aust- like off of Australia. An island off of Australia somewhere, right? Tasmania. Or New Zealand or... I can't remember. Yeah. Somewhere over there. And she, she talks briefly... Like she's done a whole comedy special before where she, her, the whole thing is about homosexuality. And it's her like self-deprecating herself and making jokes about it. And so she briefly just talks about the historical context of her, where she grew up and how literally it was illegal to be gay um, until like 94 or like 97 yeah. or something, which is crazy, right? Well, that's so that's what she grew up in. And so, you know, you have to understand that, that that's her context, right? So, um, but I thought it was really, I actually found this really funny. Um, and also very poignant that when she talks, she starts talking about how her first introduction to her people, if you remember her saying that was yeah. the, like seeing the Mardi Gras yeah. parades uh, in Australia <clears throat> and how like she sees all these, the gay people in the parades and how they're all like being loud and, you know, half naked and like dancing and just, it's like a huge party. And then she's like 
she's like, wow, look at my people. Like, but where are all the quiet gays? Because <laughs> like she is like a quiet, reserved person, you yeah. know. So like even so, you have to understand that she doesn't fit in with everybody else because she's gay, yeah. and that she doesn't even fit in with the gay people because like if her idea of what the gay people are that what all she has to see is just this Mardi Gras parade, you know. Yeah. And so she's like, well, where are all the quiet gays? <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but it's it poignant because even amongst that subgroup of people. You have people who are being or who are feeling left out, right? Yeah. Who should belong to that group of people by their identification of their sexuality, but like still don't because that's not they, they look at this group of people and they're like, Well, I'm not like that. Like yeah. where where is the group of people who are gay but are also reserved reserved and quiet like I am, you know, and like just like to drink tea. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, her her thing was like her favorite thing to do is or her favorite noise to hear is like <laughs> tea a cup. tea glass hitting a, a, a saucer. But yeah, but like, I don't know. I, to me, that that trying to understand where she's coming from is like a case of severe um, feeling left out. I, the word that I was trying to find totally left me. So I yeah, but um, <clears throat> and I can't even imagine that. Like her f- realizing that she's gay and then also knowing full well that that's totally illegal, like l- by the law, illegal and. And what she explains is like that back then in the 90s, or I guess this might have been even in the 80s, that basically the whole idea was, well, if you're going to be gay, okay, we're just going to boot you out of here to the mainland, Australia or whatever, and um, don't come back, you know? And it's like, well, these are the people that I love. Like, I I grew up with these people. I love these people. I I feel safe with these people, except for the fact that they totally disagree with everything. (laughs) But can you imagine the internal dissonance that's happening, though, right? So already like when she starts talking about that you get a feel you're trying to get an understanding and feel empathy for that situation um how do you feel about that or what do you think or how did you think about it when you were watching it yeah i mean it you felt sad um and you you can almost uh, understand the way she painted it it made a lot of sense to where you're like wow okay that's hard to grow up in where you can't fully express yourself. And she also explained, even in her family life, like she knew, okay, this is not accepted. Um, my mom definitely, my grandma especially hates it. Um, so I have to contain this. I can't be my full self or else I would have to be okay with being on my own in a totally new area. Yet this is all I know is here. So who am I supposed to be? And then even when she saw all those people and she's like, yeah, but I'm not like them either. So where do I belong? Um, and sometimes I think in the end of it all, she was almost like, I actually realized that I don't belong anywhere. You know, it's like society actually doesn't have a place for certain people. It's like certain people make it and thrive and enjoy because society has it set up for certain kinds of people, certain ways people think and talk and act. And you need to be funny and you need to look like this, you know, perfect, this perfect, what? And that's what society will accept. And those people thrive. But if you're not, then you better just learn how to be by yourself and be okay with that. Right. And and it's sad that that's how it She makes out. a joke about how because that is where she's found herself, she doesn't have all of the stress of trying to know how to fit in or try to figure out how to fit in because she just never has fit in. And it's obviously a joke because that's obviously worse. But she makes a joke about it. It's like, she's like, oh, look how nice my skin is. Well, that's because I've never had to stress about fitting in because I just never have fit in. And that's like one of those jokes. It's like, oh, that's funny. Oh, wait, no, that's really sad. sad right? Like the way she put it, and she left it like that. Too. Yeah, she just leaves it because like she that. goes. What I've learned and what has saved me so much time is that 
I realize I just don't fit in. So now that I don't have to stress about fitting in, I have so much time to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, lots of napping. It's like tons of napping time. (laughs) And I wake up and it's just like, oh, that was great. I'm glad I don't have to stress on how to fit in. Right. And just left it like, and I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of a background about like, sort of very basic about who she is and how she grew up. And then she got, she gets into some other stuff and addresses some other like things that I, uh, like have always sort of thought about. And one of them being, um, do, do you remember when she says, uh, I can't remember what leads up to it, but she's like, no, that's, Oh, she says like, you know, what's, people think it's weird for like a man to want to wear a dress. And she's like, no, that's not weird. What's weird is, Putting pink headbands on bald babies. <laughs> I got That's weird. <laughs> and you have to pause and go, wait a second. That is weird. She completely calls out society because you're just like, oh, dang. Like, that is kind of weird. And, and the whole thing is like, yeah, and then I she says, weird. and I think I, I think I wrote sort of yeah. paraphrases. She goes, how about this? How about we stop separating the children into opposing teams? How about we give them, I don't know, seven to ten years to think they're on the same side? And so my whole thing, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but the whole colors thing to me is the most bizarre thing ever. Like the fact that we start programming babies, and even before that, like when they're in the womb, we're already making their room whatever gender, Pink, blue, right? Green. And, and the thing is that inherently, there's nothing wrong with this. But we, we need to think about what it does to the children, right? And mm-hmm. what it even does to us. And what we know about the human condition is that we love picking a team. We love picking a team and opposing the other side for whatever reason. We love that. It is like the best thing. We see it in sports. We see it in, I mean, literally in every structure, you will see some type of it's us against them. In every structure, it's everywhere. It causes some kind of weird unity. It does, but (laughs) it causes unity with that group that you're with. But then it also causes, in some cases, like severe hatred and war on the other side. You know, it's like, so for whatever reason, we know that is part of our human condition. So if we can recognize that and we can agree that that's part of the human condition, can we at least save the children for as long as possible? And so the thing is, it's like when we start assigning specific things to kids from before the time they're even born, they have no chance of like of, of thinking equally about the person of the other gender because all of a sudden you have, oh, this stuff is mine and all the people who associate with me and... <clears throat> and this this color and these toys like we're cool with each other but you you're different and so we're already telling them like you need to like th- they're different and so here's the human nature part coming in so if th- they're different than you well then now like we you're going to do something about that and it usually turns into like not being able to empathize not being able to understand not wanting to do those things and then on severe cases again like um <clears throat> misogyny or whatever the other words are for hating the other gender or whatever, you know, which she even, didn't she like mentions misogyny at some point and how bizarre mm-hmm. it is. It's like you desire the thing that you hate, yeah. which how psychotic is that? Right. So, but, so, but my point is like, we, we think that these things are just natural, like that miso- like that some people just become misogynists, you know, but what if that's not true? Like what if actually those things all start before the child is born, when we start thinking, oh, well, it's a boy, we've got to start doing this and this and this, and I got to go ahead and get these toys. And I got, you know, and, and, and then even to the point, the things that we say to them, like to our, to our, especially to the girls, it's like, oh, well, you're just my pretty princess. And one day you're going to meet your prince charming and blah, 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 blah. Well, like, 
what if that's not what that girl wants? And also, what if that doesn't happen? You know, it's just the way that we treat the genders as like they're complete, total opposite separating things is so bizarre to me. And I am not saying that we're the same. I'm not saying that the genders are the same. There obviously are differences between the genders. But but do we really have to start like just handing our children like tools to 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 help them recognize like, oh, I'm on this team and girls are on this team, or if I'm a girl, then boys, you know, whatever. Like, do we really have to do that? It's, it's a tricky, <clears throat> tricky area because just like how she grew up in, the way society is built is if you do decide not to be on one team or the other, society will find a way that you are going to be marginalized in its own way, and now you have to fight. And so most people want to train their kids to have to you know, be on the correct side so that you are accepted. Because once you're accepted, you don't have to fight. Life is a lot easier because you're on one team versus the other. And so you already have your group of people who get, even though their ideas might not be completely correct, at least you know your kid doesn't have to worry about coming home and being felt left out, being not picked to do things. Now they have a chance to be one of the regular people in society. Yet, unfortunately, it's like, Doing that also means that sometimes they're going to be the one who's marginalizing right. and bullying and whatever the other people and not knowing how to sympathize because from the jump, you didn't even teach them, okay, there actually are differences and you get to choose. You almost made the choice for them. Mm-hmm. And then later on when they have to struggle with the choice on their own because now they can make their own concrete decisions, they're like, oh, now they have all the burdens of, okay, this is society, what, what they want me to do. This is what my parents, family want to do. Now what do I do if I don't agree? You right. Know? And so that's where the problem comes. And, and maybe there is, maybe it's a good thing to have. I mean, I, and I do think it, on my opinion, is I do think that we do need to be able to identify with some group. I, my whole thing is, and I think what Gatsby is saying in, in Nanette is like, do we really have to do that with the genders? Like, do we, is that necessary to, to do that with the genders? Can we not just let kids think that they're all on the same side for as long as possible? And then if, you know, they get corrupted after that, fine. But isn't it just like, doesn't it seem kind of senseless to just start out from the get go, like giving them the tools so that their brain starts functioning when their neurons start firing and they are automatically are already thinking, Oh, that's a different team. Like, I'm a boy, so I'm on the boys' team, and the girls are on the girls' team. And we think it's natural. And that's what I'm saying. All I'm asking is, what if it's not? We think it's natural that the boys are going to, you know, be inclined to do this or be inclined to do that. And we think it's natural the girls are going to be inclined to do this or that, right? What if it isn't? What if that's our programming? And what if it's not a bad thing to try to avoid that as long as possible? Look, the thing is, is like... I think we're afraid. Like, we're afraid of, oh, like, well, 100%. what if we do that and then, like, my son turns gay? Or what if we do that and my son then, like, doesn't know how to, I don't know. Like, what if, I think we're afraid of something. But my thing is, like, what if it doesn't, what if there's nothing to be afraid of? What if actually it's, like, really a great thing? And guess what I think is going to happen is that, like, if we were even actually able to implement that, right, in a way that, like, we just allowed kids to just be kids and we, they think they're on the same team for as long as possible, if we did that, what if like actually what would happen is, oh, I don't know, when they become mature and like, you know, go through puberty, they're still going to realize, oh, I have a penis and the girls are going to realize, oh, I have a vagina and I want to be with like, they're still going to come to the same conclusion. Like, it's not going to be, you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? They're still going to realize like, 
oh, like I want, I, I like girls or it, like, it's not going to change anything except for the fact that I think personally that they will be able to understand each other better. Like the genders will just be able to understand each other better rather than from the beginning than being already separated and already thinking like, oh, that they're just different. <sighs> Again, tricky, tricky, tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Why uh, is it tricky? And uh, I'm not, I don't know if it's true. No, I'm I, just saying, what I, if? I hope you at least adopt a child. I would love to see how this works out. Uh, um, well, I, I'm not saying it's possible. <laughs> no, the way our society is set up, it's nearly impossible to and, do. And that's the, that's the thing of it. One, so uh, every parent somehow vicariously somewhat lives through their child, mm-hmm. right? So if I have a, a son, I would love for him to be the star quarterback on the team and all that. Or, okay, maybe that's just a generalized statement. But it's like <laughs> you want them to feel the, okay, they're important and they're accepted. And it's like now from an early age, you see people grew, you go and they're, they're young kids and they're people playing with dolls, the little kids playing with dolls, and some people playing with cars. Your son, if he runs and goes and plays with the dolls and everybody's looking, you should be okay, but a part of you, like everybody's looking at you, you're like, oh, no, son, what are you doing? Come play with the cars from the jump. Like, it's just naturally because you the, what, what do you you have to define naturally. Why is why no, do you think it, that's a natural I'm saying, thing? Not, I'm not saying it's natural for them to want to go. It's naturally as a parent who doesn't want to feel embarrassed. Naturally, they're going to be like, oh. Because you want your kid to fit in. Yes. And right. so you're seeing <clears throat> naturally other people looking at you and saying, well, there's something different here from an early jump and you're like, Oh, I don't, I now don't want to be embarrassed by my kid doing this because of how society just looks at things differently. And so you find yourself grabbing your kid like, no, no, come try to play with the cars over here. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I know. That's why I said (laughs) I would hope you get to adopt your kid. But but you think part of me, you, do you not think that I probably would give into that pressure and I would probably like encourage my son to go play with the cars because I would see all the people. You would probably (laughs) smile at your son and uh, again, it's not I wouldn't a bad encourage thing. it or discourage it. It's just a matter. So no, I know you, what you're saying. Yeah, what you're saying. What you're saying is that like a parent wants their kid to fit in and doesn't want their kid to be ostracized by the other kids. So you're going to encourage them to do the Let things that are going to help them by fit in. Other kids, you also want to fit in as a parent. Yeah, and so you don't want the other parents to think that you're weird and you're letting your kid do whatever, right? But like the thing is, is like I don't think it would be. First of all, <clears throat> Jimmy and I live in a community of people where this is real. Okay. Yeah. There are other places in the United States where people yes, would be whatever. like, it's not, yeah, it literally already is. And, and the thing, and the problem is, is like our circle of people would be like, yeah, those liberals, that's what they do. You know, they let their kid, their boys play with dolls. And I'm like that, I, that just is, that's not at all real. Like the reality is, is that them liberals or whatever, like they just realize that it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. And your kid can play with whatever the heck toys he wants to play with. And at the end of the day, he's going to make his own choices and do whatever he wants to do anyway. And guess what? Some of you like super conservative parents who push your kids away, push your boys away from dolls. I bet you they now, some of them are like cross-dressers and go to drag parties. Okay. So like and my point is, is that no matter what you do, they're still going to make their own decisions and do whatever they want at the end of the day. So it's not like... And some people beg to differ. That by, <laughs> that by opening them up to... Because it's like it seems like it goes down a path. It's like, here's how they started, and it kept going, and it, it started, they were playing with dolls. Then they like... Um, no, but it goes both ways. That's my point. It goes yeah. both ways. You can, you can have a super conservative parent... Pe- parent two parents who yeah, don't let their kid do things way. it can happen either so what is the point the the point is 
I, you almost want to take your chances of, I prefer for them to go against how they've been shown things versus me almost promoting. Like, oh, okay, you like dolls? Here, how about I also get you dresses? You know, that is not real. <laughs> but it is real. No, it's like, not. Because now it's like they say, but I want to I want to dress like this doll. And and you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> oh cool. my gosh. OK, <laughs> so you can have that conversation. You can say, OK, well, you do understand that boys, you see all the boys around you. They're none of them are dressing like that. You my, my thing is, is like you can allow this them some sort of autonomy. No, it's not a three year old. Four year old. OK, listen. OK, because we, 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 okay, we have to rewind. We have to rewind a little bit. Because I, I have to make clear that I'm not saying that you just let your kid do whatever the heck they want to do. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is an instance of like, okay, what you just said is this is your three-year-old or four-year-old. Okay, so let's say you have a three-year-old or four-year-old who has a sister, right? And Correct. the sister's playing with dolls. And now you have a three- or four-year-old boy who is now playing along with sister, playing with dolls with sister, right? Mm-hmm. And then that boy says, I'll, and then that sister goes and grabs her play clothes out of her whatever, whatever they're called. He has all her play clothes in, you know, and she like mm-hmm. puts on a dress and now she looks like a doll. And now your son's like, oh, I want to put on a dress. You can say to him, son, boys don't generally wear dresses, but like, and I need you but, to understand that. And you're three or four years old and you don't have to let them wear a dress. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying you have to let them do whatever the heck they want to do, but there's a, fu- there's a huge difference between like playing with dolls or a girl playing with trucks and which by the way in a second we're going to address something about this that really flips it upside down there's a huge difference between that and oh now my son's a cross-dresser no like you you don't have to allow that but let's but we need but what is the big deal like where's the line it's where i'm trying to get like okay now they now they start no 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 no. the reason you're asking where's the line is because in the back of your head you you have this slippery slope thing right where it's like oh now they're now they're dressing like girls and now they're doing blah blah blah. okay but here's the thing okay here's the thing if it's if this is a boy and he isn't actually transgender or isn't actually whatever then at some point he is going to self-correct because he's going to see all the other boys and be like okay i don't want to dress this anymore it is, it's not true. It just isn't true that if you allow them to play with dolls, then they're going to want to wear dresses and then they're going to turn gay and then they're going to be a cross dresser. And then that's just not true. You know what is true? Sometimes you cannot allow them to do any of those things and they still end up doing those things. So true. what is the point? I would, I wish I could do statistics in terms of areas of like where it's more open and how many more <laughs> percentage end up actually going that route, whether it's by society allowing them to or. By them just like, okay, this is what I was going to be. Versus other areas where it might be contained more and then they don't end up going down this route. Um, To me, just as a parent, it's just a tricky line of, okay, I'm not trying to force them to, but I definitely want to steer them a certain way. Um, And once I see them... And that's fine. I don't have any issue with guiding and directing and steering in a certain way. Yeah. And so that's what I'm getting. But let's just try to be more cognizant of the things that we're doing that that are... pointing kids towards joining a team based on their gender when they're just kids and like we should let them just be kids and not feel like they're they're on the, the opposing side of the other gender that's all i'm saying we, we got we're getting caught in the weeds here because and i think again we probably more agree on this than we actually disagree yeah, the opposing side thing though i'm trying <clears> to understand <throat> where do you feel the opposing side comes in what do you mean as in boys we, there, we see ramifications of that in society all the time like boys versus girls yes Okay. Constantly. That's always a thing. Yeah. That's why there's this whole bizarre, like, awkward stage of where, like, when the, they start hitting puberty, and now they all of a sudden want to be together all the time, but before they were like, never, you would never see them together. 
right? Because yeah. like the boys hang out with the boys and girls. Hang out. This is like this is this is, and again, we think this is a natural thing. But all I'm saying is, what if it's not? What if it isn't just a natural thing? But it is simply because from the time that before they're born, we start programming them to think. You should be with boys and girls should be with, boys should be with boys, girls should be with girls. And then all of a sudden that now they hit puberty and it's like now all they want to do is be glued to each other. Right. Because now they realize, oh, I actually like them. What, what would it look like if this whole time they were kids, they had just never really there had never really been a they haven't really felt like that there was that separation. Right. So now, like they actually know how to interact with each other when they start liking each other for real. I mean that, and that's that's a that's a small thing, but it, yeah. I mean it's one pro to the what I'm suggesting if that was to happen, like rather than that being, and then you, I'm just saying there are all sorts of issues that could happen. Yeah, that do happen. I, I mean, when you have these opposing sides thing, right, the two teams thing, mm-hmm. and perhaps that could be somewhat alleviated if we just stopped like programming them to think that they're on different sides. Okay, and they're for each other, and seeing that. We haven't even gotten into it, and I think we'll get into it a little bit more when we get into this other stuff. But like, the real problem here, Jimmy, is that not only do we just teach them to throw on opposing sides, but we teach the boys that they're better, and we teach the girls that they're not as good, and we teach the boys that they should have dominion over the girls, and we teach the boys that they should be the ones who are the big, strong ones, and they should be over like over command of the girls, and we teach the girls that they should be soft and petite, and that they should like listen to the boys, and they should just not talk. In today's when they, society, yes, uh, we still do that. Oh, I don't in know. ways, <laughs> in indirect ways, we still do that. And I, I know everybody's like, no, we don't, we don't, we, we yeah, don't do that anymore. Like today's society, we do. It's very different. It isn't. Back in the day, I remember. Yes, it was definitely. I agree. Back in it, the day, you're yeah. not that old. It's still. Though. It's still the same. Back in the day, Jimmy. So you think that back in your, in the day when you were a kid, it was like that, and it's yeah, not now. Correct. You think we've changed that quickly? I do believe you can see it in terms of society as a whole now. Men, it's gotten better, but there it's still we still teach used kids to run how, the house mm-hmm. growing up in most of our parents. Nowadays, there's a lot more women, so you can see it's like, oh, things have flipped. Yeah, things have changed a lot, but that doesn't mean that and we don't have a long way to go. Little girls. They teach them pretty early now. Oh, no, there's no guy who will tell you what to do. You can be anything you want to be. Well, girls in today's society, I I don't think any of them are taught to be humble, to be soft, to be any of that. Uh, no, I think they're told, oh, a guy hits you, hit him back. Like, I mean, it's very different in today's society. I, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing. I do think that it has changed a lot. But we still are seeing the ramifications of the past, right? And so... That leads me into this next part of what um, Gadsby said. Uh, she, ta- she tells a story about when she gets on a plane or something and, the, and the, one of the flight attendants or whatever says, like, welcome aboard, sir. sir yeah. and, she, and then he's, like, super apologetic. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> it's not like you called a man a madam. Yeah. And then that, she leaves that joke there. <laughs> but we need to pause and think about what she said because think about it, like, she doesn't want him to be apologetic. <clears throat> and she's saying, no, it's fine. I get to be a man for the day. That's a good thing, first of all. And it's not like you called a man a madam, right? So what she's saying is that, <clears throat> what she's saying is that, like, it's worse to call a man a madam than it is to call a woman a sir. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more acceptable to mistake a woman as a, as a sir than it would be to mistake a man for a woman. Yeah. That's what she's saying. And, and if you just think about that, it's, there's truth to that. Because yeah. we think about how offensive, how uh, offended a man would be if you mistake him for a woman. True. And how we would not accept that level of offense 
when we mistake a woman for a man, especially if the woman looks, looks like, like a man. Yeah. But if a man happens to have a high pitched voice and looks a little feminine and you just, and you call it, like he, we, we, there's this feeling inside of us where he has the right to be offended by that. Yeah. Do you feel that? I feel that. I and I, but I think it. the reason I've been fit, yeah. I feel that is because I've been programmed that way. Yeah. Right. But for a woman, it's different. I don't feel the same level of, oh, she, she should be offended by that. I'm just, I'm being honest. Like that's how I feel. And I, the reason I feel that way, I think is because I've been programmed through the way that I was brought up and through society in general, that that's just the way it is. Yeah. Because I mean, going back to your other point of how <laughs> in society, it's not a step down to be called a man. You right. know, it's not an insult right. <laughs> to be called a man. It's right. like, oh, even how she put it was like, oh, for a few seconds there, I felt entitled, right? You know, as a man. So I was like, I get it from that extent. Yes, the being a, a man versus a woman um, in today's side, and there are statistics that show it's definitely a better thing to be a man, and you are definitely more respected, and you don't have to defend yourself as much if you're a man. So in that way, how we can fix that, I'm not sure. Um, well, and that's my point. I think it starts with the kids. The kid. Yes, I think it starts at the beginning. Because we, we, like I'm saying, I feel programmed to feel the way that I just described. Like, how else would I feel that way? You, the only option is you have to say, well, that's just natural, or I was programmed that way. And, and which are what, I mean... I feel like you were programmed that way. And I feel like our generation was more programmed that way. And I feel like what your, your point is very valid. In our area, it's like we wish it w- was maybe more different. But I feel like it has drastically been changed to how kids are being raised now versus 20 years ago. And to where it's like nowadays, it's like you're watching and slowly all these statistics are slowly switching. I mean, it is. It is happening. And it's it's like I think we still have a long way to go. I agree. But I feel like we're we're almost going down. If it's so I'm I'm glad you were. I'm going to move into this other stuff and then we can talk. We can like give like ending remarks about if you want to about. Nanette, and then yeah. what we just hinted at gets me into the other thing that I wanted to talk about too. So, <clears throat> in regards to Picasso, do you remember that part? Yeah, she Gatsby um, mentions very strongly that she hates Picasso. Just so you know that, <laughs> like, she's very staunchly <laughs> like, I hate Picasso, yeah. and she's like, people don't want me to hate Picasso, but I hate Picasso. Yeah. And one of the reasons she gives for hating him is that he had relations with a, an underage, a seventeen-year-old girl when he was in his forties. And then apparently, according to Gatsby, Picasso made a statement that was when uh, went along the lines of something like, "Well, there's nothing wrong with it. I was in my prime, and she was in her prime." So what he's saying is, what Picasso was saying is that he was in his prime when he's in his 40s, and this girl was in her prime when she was in, when she was 17. Okay, so my question is, how are we defining prime, and do you think that's still a prevalent idea today? And also, like, why the heck is that the case? If that, if it's still prevalent today, why is it the case today? And if even if it isn't prevalent today, why was that the case in the past? So in today's society, yes, a 40-year-old man is usually hot market nowadays because, one, they are very financially stable. In general, yeah. uh, Most, I mean, usually... They have some sort of stability. Yeah, most, at that age, usually they have found their niche Mm -hmm. to something that makes money to where now they can actually play around. Right. And now they see the world differently than people in their 20s, 30s, like still figuring things out. But at 40, usually it's like, okay, I get it. So prime-wise, their their mind can now really be 
They're out to have fun. They get to explore the world differently. <clears throat> Fortunately, the view on women, it's like they... There's a certain area, I don't know if 17, I wouldn't use 17 as the <laughs> definitive age, but it's like childbearing is a woman thing. Um, and what women, I mean, men can't childbear, thank goodness. Um, so it's like when you see their <coughs> height in energy and, I don't know, it's a slippery area. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, before you put your foot in your mouth, yeah. I, I would buy the whole... Uh, childbearing thing, like you know, three thousand years ago. Yeah, but I don't buy it today. And I, the yes. reason I don't buy it is because we have medicine now, such that like women have are successfully give birth well into their forties. Now it's still considered a geriatric and pregnancy, and there are risks, but like it, it, it's common. It happens. More. Yeah, it does. But it, I mean, these are common. But so it's I, I just don't buy. We we I buy it in the sense that. If we're speaking in evolutionary terms, like, yes, that is obviously part of it. But, like, we have the knowledge and the, and the ability now to free ourselves from that frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And so I don't buy that. I think that that's really just <clears throat> justifying the means, you know, to for, you know, a super successful 60-year-old billionaire having a... a 25 or 30 year old wife, you know, and it's growing. And the and reason that he has a 25 and 30 year old wife and not a 17 year old wife is because that would be illegal. And so he can get away with it when she's 25 or 30 and it still looks like she's in her quote unquote prime. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it was really, it, this is, this is like, I, I'm afraid that there are a lot of women who don't understand this, that like men are attracted to in general, not speaking for all men. Okay. Don't get mad at me man who's listening and it's like, oh, I'm not, I like six year old women, you know, that's great. But in general, men are drawn to and are attracted to youthful women. Correct. And now obviously there is some sort of, I think natural proponent to that because of the, if we're speaking again, evolutionarily or just because of like the uh, virility and the ability to bear children, like that all makes sense. But again, we're at a point now to where we need to take a step back and recognize that those aren't legitimate excuses anymore. In 2019. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so Gatsby's whole thing is like, see, Picasso lived quite a long time ago, but Gatsby, but not that, you know, it, Gatsby's like, I don't care. Like at any time, as a man, a 40 or something year old man, you are capable of understanding that a 17 year old girl is not in her prime. I don't care what excuses you make up sure. to justify your actions. If you are a, a, a being who is able to comprehend and process things, you can understand that a 17 year old woman is not in her prime. She just isn't. Sure. That's Gatsby's gets, and she gets very passionate about that. And I think rightfully so. I agree. Like you, at some point, a man has to own up to his own desires and his own ability to take advantage of like a whatever woman he might be attracted to, you know, and say, this isn't right. <laughs> like this is not a woman who's in her prime and yeah. I shouldn't be taking advantage of the situation. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why Gatsby gets for hating Picasso. <clears throat> Touchy area. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, for, I, I feel like, I feel like men want that to remain a secret because they don't want women, women to, you know, it's like, and I think it's worse even than I just explained it, but we'll just... No, I mean, it's actually <clears throat> one of the weirdest things because it's like 
you grow older, when you're six, you're attracted to, you know, fellow six-year-old girls, eight, fellow eight. And it, then it gets to this weird area where you're like, oh, 22. And, it gets <laughs> older, and it's like, actually, I don't think. You know, now, you're, <laughs> now you're 35. And it's like, mm, I don't know. Right. And that's if 35 normal. Is, you know, you're like, I think I still liked her when she was 28. <laughs> you know, <laughs> versus this current version. And it, and it is normal. And you almost get stuck in this area where like, oh, dang, now she's 43. Oh, Man, but that 25-year-old really is looking good, you know? And it's like, but as you said, you have to take some kind of responsible, you know, responsible And, and, and most men of, do. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, obviously, yeah. there are men who have been faithful to their wives for 50 or 60 and I years. Think women know. They look at a 20, and they're like, yeah, man, oh, yeah. I remember I, I looked well, like that. Well, no, no, no. They definitely know. Yeah. How do they know? Because think about all of the money and the time that they spend on to try trying to, to look, look youthful. Like and that. you think it's because they want to? We have programmed them so much. <laughs> we men have programmed women so much yeah. to the extent that they think that they want to do these things. Yeah. That's what's crazy. That and I've crazy, told this to women true. who like I'm good friends with that I trust, you know, and they're like, no, no, I really want to. And I'm like, that's how deep it is that yeah. you just imagine the amount. Like if I had to wake up every morning for an hour earlier just to put on three pounds of makeup and like do all my like it, that is that sounds terrible to me. And the reason it sounds terrible is not because I'm a man. It's because I've never had to do it. And I've never been told that I had to do it to look beautiful for people. Yeah. And it's so deep. It runs so deep that women don't even think it's because men want it. They think it's because they want it. Yeah. That's and I, I look, I don't know if people grasp what I just said, but to me that is so atrocious and so ridiculous. It's painful that that's how it is. It's just so crazy. Yeah, it's like inbuilt into things that that's why women are the ones who are advertised to more on men are going to age too. But it's like women anti-aging creeps. Yeah. It's like everything. It's like women aren't allowed to age. Right. Men, men we're going to age, but it's okay. I mean, you actually, you know, almost grow more attractive. With yeah, age, exactly. That That's means. right. <laughs> and know, who, and who, who, who came up who with that? that? We did. <laughs> it's because funny. it's advantageous to us. Yes. It's hilarious how it works out. Um, but women, it's the opposite. <clears throat> and so you have to maintain this perfect body, this perfect face, this youthful, no wrinkles, no nothing. Look, and by the way, by <laughs> it, the way, American men, what demographic <clears throat> of females of women, I have to say females, you understand why when I ask the question, what demographic of, of females um, don't have armpit hair and don't have leg hair? <laughs> I, I'm just throwing it out there. Sounds like crickets. I, I just, I'm just throwing out there. It's food for thought, okay? I'm just saying. When you think about it, it's weird. It is weird. And I know it's so ingrained in our society and our people. And even, again, even even American women are like, oh, that's gross. She has, yeah. She's not shaving her legs, shaving in her armpits. That's disgusting. In her own mind. It's she, like. She feels disgusting <clears throat> with it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we've programmed that. <laughs> it's crazy, right? But I just want you to think about it. Yeah, what demographic of of females naturally do not have armpit hair and do not have leg hair? And I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Okay, um, <laughs> so along the same, right after she talks about that Picasso thing, she says she talks about how comedians have failed, and that she. And then I, I'm quoting her here. Maybe if comedians had done their job properly and made fun of the men who abused 
their power, then perhaps we might have a middle-aged woman with an appropriate amount of experience in the White House instead of a man who openly admitted to sexually assaulting vulnerable young women because he could. So obviously she's talking about Trump being in, in the presidency and obviously Hillary Clinton, Clinton who... Now, look, regardless of whether what you think about Hillary Clinton or what do you think about Trump, um, again, she has a point. Like, we do have a current president who... There is some really sketchy things he has said on recording of him talking about the things that he has done to women. Now, you can justify it however you want to, but the fact remains that it is weird and it is sketchy. And, you know, we, we can deem it, oh, that's just locker room talk or whatever the heck you want to call it. But, like, it still is not quite okay. And most people can agree. Most Like, even people who are for Trump are like, yeah, that was like, I don't know why he really said that. You know, it's like, because you know that doesn't, something doesn't sit right with you, you know? And I don't know. Again, to me, it all goes back to like the way that we've taught kids and what the what we you know what is from accepted. day one or even before day one. You know what? Yeah, what's acceptable and and how we how we teach kids to view the other gender and <clears throat> yeah. And so crazy. we train the girls now. We're training girls at an earlier age what is pretty, and that's what hits me weird. Is like okay, why is this girl for? already into makeup and everything and yeah. it's just like oh so at no point in life will they feel like they're pretty natural right like we have now part tuned it to where at an earlier age there is no such thing as natural beauty mm-hmm. for you have to put on something <laughs> for girls yet guys i mean we're allowed to be gross and disgusting yeah and disgusting accepted like because <laughs> like you watch boys they definitely do not think yeah. <laughs> too much about it yeah I mean, and so that leads me to the last quote that i have from nanette is um, well, she's talking about, um, she's talking about how like women are just as corruptible as men are too. Like given certain circumstances, women can be just as corrupted. And then she says, she, uh, Gatsby says, you know what, men, you don't have a monopoly, a, a monopoly on the human condition, but the story belongs to you. And that fits with what we were just saying, Jimmy, mm-hmm. that like the story of history, um, ironically called his story, you know, um, it belongs to men. Like we have written the history and we are the ones who have kind of structured how everything is. Hence why, as we've just talked about, women feel the need to do certain things and even so much so that they think it's their idea. And it's not like it's men telling them what they have to do over the course of history. And over the course of hundreds of years, these things have just gotten ingrained into our DNA probably. I mean, who, who knows like what are, how we've affected the way that like the way that we would or could have been, you know, if none of this had ever happened, you know, if if the way that we've structured things hadn't have happened. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. It's a tricky slope because I mean, anything you've learned in history and almost unfortunately, even in religion, just everything seems to take the male biasness of things like firstborn sons are the big thing and leaders most of the big leaders are males and it's what i'm saying most i'm like 98 percent of them like i mean you have to actually really think hard of these females that you know oh yeah this is a great female in history great but in males you can list for days and And you can you can to be fair we can name some some women yeah leaders of history they're there and even more so in the Bible, actually. Yeah. There's quite a few women mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. Um, which is, we'll get into that in a minute, but yes, continue. Yeah, I mean, it's just that 
even if there are, it's like the ratio of people to look up to. It's like men just have a lot more. And it's like inbuilt in our society and everything to where for women nowadays, it's, I mean, I don't know how it's set up, but it's almost like they have to fight more. But I feel like they are being raised more now than they were to fight more and be leaders and not have to feel shy down or you're a second class citizen. And I feel like it's slowly bleeding itself out. Um, I guess we, you want more of a radical, quicker change. But I mean, slowly I can see, hey, I mean, it's also <clears throat> not far-fetched for there to be a female president now. Yeah. Versus back in the day. I mean, that was openly far-fetched. Yeah. You know, it, so. yeah. Things, the ch- the rate of change does seem to have accelerated quite rapidly in the last 10 years but like my fear and it's not so much that i want it to and think it should change really quickly it's just that my fear is that if we don't take drastic measures to like really address the issues like blatantly Mm -hmm. then the there's still the ramifications of the way that things have been are just going to last so much longer than they need to what's funny is my fear is the opposite what do you mean again like i said our view on it's a little different in that because I have seen the shift happen so drastic that <laughs> like how your fear was like how we were raised, you know, it was more way more patriarchal um, and mm-hmm. women in jobs and stuff like women were more house, you yeah. know, people. And now we've seen the shift happen. Um, <laughs> and I feel <clears throat> like men are naturally good at being lazy. And if you give them the that feel of, oh, the women will do everything. And we don't have to like have the stress of being the head. We're actually nowadays it's they're not as scared to like yeah you know she runs things more. And so <laughs> secretly women have that drive to prove a point because they're taught from an earlier age now that yes you can do everything and you have more of that drive. And men are semi slacking. Hence the next generation of women are <laughs> graduating at much higher rates than they were. Men are relaxed. And then now it's like, oh, now we have all these women. They're going into 20s, 25, 30s. And now they're looking for men to be counterparts with that they can be they can be together with. But it's like, oh, but this guy, I mean, what does he bring into the table now? Now it's like this new area of more single women having problems finding a man. And it's caused to me by the shift. So it's like... <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel like I think both have to still get I mean just push both correctly. Okay. So the so let's just go back to just putting women down for the next no, thousands I'm not of saying years. Putting women down. Rather than letting them have their I'm own not saying autonomy. Women down. You see, don't twist it. I'm saying continue to tell women that they can do whatever and be whatever and be leaders. But as you're teaching men, yes, women can be leaders still push that man hey but you want to be a leader as well like because i feel like okay again if we treat everyone equally from the beginning and and that's why i I wanted to put that point out of it feels like women are catching it more in terms but that's not their fault that's that's man's fault and i agree i'm saying maybe everything is being reversed back to how it should be with women being the leaders because they actually have the drive and men being the lazy potato sacks that they are Whereas, okay, think about it this way. Like, up until recently, like, historically recently, um, the, maybe perhaps the, the reason the men were always in power is because, like, doing and becoming something always had required much more actual, like, physicality, mm-hmm. right? Before we had everything automated and everything, we had car. I mean, before all of that, like, if you sure. couldn't do X, Y, Z, yeah. if you couldn't build a house, 
then you, I mean, you didn't have a house, right? Yeah. So as a woman, you can't build a house because you yeah. don't have the physicality to do it True. in general. Okay. There are exceptions, but like, so you needed a man to do that for you. Right. So, but things are drastically different now. And so now women are being like, hold on, I don't need to have a man, this a man for anything. Yeah, I can do it myself. Correct. And in fact, actually, in a lot of cases, I'm better at doing a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. But you, you men have been holding us back for so long because we needed you to do X, Y, Z. And that's fine that you did it. But like now you can't hold us back. It's not fair for you to hold us back anymore because now we don't need that. We don't need, you know, whatever. And so like what you're saying, though, is there's 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 I can see both sides, just like you're trying yeah. to explain. But like what people are going to hear from what you just said, though, is that like, you know, oh, well, women hold up like we men are lazy and like we're and so yeah, you're, you're what, like blaming it on the women. You're blaming the blaming men's it. shortcoming on the women. I, I'm, I'm glad women are, are stepping up. It only makes the team stronger. I'm blaming men for not stepping up as women get stronger. Well, what does that look like, though? What does men stepping up alongside of women look like? Them working together as a team. Okay. Being too strong. All right. So people that's going to flow us into the, ne- the next okay. thing that I want to talk about. Okay. Um, do you know who John MacArthur is? Have you heard that? Heard the name. Okay. Sure. He's, he's a really prominent um, pastor, um, preacher, author mm-hmm. in the uh, evangelical, fundamental, high, high view of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian world. Okay. Been mm-hmm. around for a while. He's an older guy. Been around for a long time. Very prominent. Um, but has found himself in many controversies over the year because of his high, high view of the Bible, meaning that he everything is is literal and the text is what it says it is and there's no questions and it, nothing okay. is not, it's never changed and it shouldn't be changed by culture or everything. That's what a high, high view of scripture is, right? So um, again, this is, the, I literally found this out today that mm-hmm. this uh, this thing happened a couple of days ago. Um where do you know? Do you know who Beth Moore is? <laughs> I work with a Beth Moore, but no. Oh, really? <laughs> um, Beth Moore, the uh, evangelical woman uh, speaker, pastor. She, she. I mean, very, very famous woman pastor speaker. She's not. I don't. I don't think she's a pastor of a church, but she has. I mean, travels all over the world speaking, talking to Christians. You know, mm-hmm. um, and has empowered women. You know, for years and years to you know, stand up in their faith and, you know, has, has just been a, a huge leader for, especially for women, but also for plenty of Christian men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other day there was some sort of conference that John MacArthur was at and, um, the, it was sort of like a panel, like John MacArthur and some other people were sitting down answering questions from like the, the guy that was le- it's called something, but he's leading this panel or whatever. And I want to play for us this, this clip. Okay. Okay. And, um, I've already listened to it. Obviously I want to get your live reaction to it. Um, so with the little background, I've given the, I told you who John MacArthur is. I've told you who Beth Moore is. Obviously John, this is John MacArthur. It's about to, I'll just explain it as, as we go here. Okay. And I'm probably going to, this audio is not great. It's like recorded at this conference by somebody at, with their phone or something. So just so you know, it's, it's not, Response to the word. Are you I feel ready? like I'm being set up. 
Yeah, that's that's John McArthur that said he feels like he's being set up. Case with Todd. Watch out for him. He will try to embarrass you. We're going to start out. This is this is just kind of touching your toes. Easy, easy setup for you. Let's begin with an easy one. The word. Okay. Before it goes on, so what just happened is the guy that's leading this conversation, is, he said that he's going to do like a word association game mm-hmm. to where he's going to say a word and then he's going to get John MacArthur's like first kind of response to that, right? Yeah. This is some sort of game that's going on. I, it's kind of weird, and I'll explain why I think it's weird in a second. So here we go, continuing. John MacArthur's about to respond to this thing. Is Beth Moore. That's two words. Okay, pause. So the word for him to do this game with is Beth Moore, and that was the first one. The first one that this guy throws out is Beth Moore at John MacArthur to get his response. <laughs> And then you hear the audience laugh because so obviously something's like wait what yeah, it's it's up. weird right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literalist all right Dr MacArthur Beth Moore how many words do I get you know actually and, and before you answer this please think carefully this time because last time you did a one word association yeah, the no, guy wrote a book a about trouble, it and no. we don't want that I was thinking of the same word okay. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so John MacArthur um, is responding to the word Beth Moore, and the first thing that he says is "Go home." Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea why he might say that? Yeah. Okay, so being the literalist, high view Bible believer that he is. He doesn't think that women are allowed to preach or teach in, mm-hmm. a, in the church. Mm-hmm. So his first response to this man prompting him about Beth Moore is go home. Now, there's some issues with that. Like, do you understand? Like, you can't just say, I mean, you can say it, but it's like, come on, you could have chosen some better way to say that yeah. than go home. Okay, let's, let's continue because... As you can hear, the audience is already like, it's mixed feeling from the audience, right? It's Awkward like, laughter. <laughs> well, I, I see we're warmed up. <laughs> I dilly-dally. Um, there's no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher. Period. Paragraph. End of discussion. <laughs> so, let me... Okay, so... He comes down, he brings his voice down. He's like, um, he, it's almost like, you know, he realizes, oh crap, I just, that was, that, I don't know if I should have said go home, but now I'll, I'll be more reasonable. There's no case for women preachers or pastors in, mm-hmm. in the church from the Bible at all, period, you know? And then the, con- and then the, con- the, the audience applauds, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see if I can get a clarification on that. Got one. Phil, anything to add? No, I, the word that comes to my mind is narcissistic. I, I think the first time I saw her, I thought, she, she is, this is a, going back to the last session of what Mike said, this is what it looks like to preach yourself rather than Christ. All right. And she, in uh, fact, she has said that. She said, I read the Bible and I try to find myself in the narrative. I put myself in the narrative. And that, that is exactly what she does. And this, by the way, uh, Bodhi 
uh, Bakum was supposed to be here, but I, I'll just. Uh, so the guy that just spoke was another guy on the panel. That wasn't John MacArthur. That was another guy on the panel. The, the one that said narcissistic was his word association with Beth Moore. And then the reason for that he gives is that Beth Moore has even stated, how dare she state that she tries to find herself in the narrative? Isn't that what we all do? We try to find where we fit in this story so that we can better understand what's happening. Like, I'm pretty sure most people who listen to Beth Moore understand that that's what she's saying. She's not trying to be narcissistic about it. She's not trying to be like, I try to find myself in the story because I'm important. Like, isn't that weird that this guy would say that? Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm not super familiar with Beth Moore's stuff. I've never read any of her books. I mean, I've, he- I've heard a couple of things that she's spoken, but like, I, that's just so bizarre. That they are that you have these two prominent, I, don't, I can't remember the other guy's name, but these two prominent Christian leaders. And so far, it's almost like they're kind of bashing a woman evangelist. And to me, it, this is just weird. And by the way, this is blown up in the Christian sphere. This isn't just yeah. like there's a lot of people who are talking about this right now. Like it's like a lot of people have written articles. I mean, it's 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 gotten. It, we're, we're just it's we're not done yet. Let you know he's he's not here because he's weak, is what it is. He's weak and that was he a wanted joke. to rest. Didn't sound so like a joke. Mike. And by the way, dude, you killed it. That sermon was dumb. I heard John MacArthur say period paragraph end of story (laughs) so I don't know who that was it was somebody else on the panel but basically the guy leading the conversation asked him for his response and the guy says basically he's just like saying that John MacArthur said all that needs to be said right Mm -hmm. now they're about to try to move on but John MacArthur has more to say (laughs) More and then we will get into our video clips. I would just add one thing. Um, just because you have the skill to sell jewelry on the TV sales channel doesn't mean you should be preaching. There are people who have certain hawking skills, um, natural abilities to sell. They have energy and personality and all of that. Um, that doesn't qualify you to preach. Dr. MacArthur, we've done this a number of times, and I've asked you a number of questions on pretty broad-ranging issues. I'm perceiving this is actually troubling you. Profoundly. Okay. Now, now I really feel like this is a full setup. Yeah. Like, uh, they didn't really absolutely. just play this off like this wasn't planned. Yeah. Really? If this wasn't planned, this is a bizarre series of events that just took place. Yeah. Um, maybe it wasn't, but it just is really weird. And um, so if you didn't catch what John MacArthur said there, basically he's like alluding to the fact that Beth Moore is obviously, you know, a good speaker and Sales good woman. at sell. Yeah. Good saleswoman literally is what yeah. he's, is what he's saying. And she's good at, um, talking and he's saying that, but just because you have those things doesn't mean that you should be preaching. Okay. That has nothing to do with gender at all. You can say that about anybody. 
who is a pastor or preaching or teaching, regardless of their gender. Sure. Like that statement in and of itself has nothing to do with gender. So the re- why he's applying it to her is... Uh, he seems passionate about it. Oh, it, so we'll continue here. I think the church is caving in to women preachers. Um, just the other day, the same thing happened with Paula White. A whole bunch of leading evangelicals endorsed her new book. She's a heretic and a prosperity preacher, three times married. And what, what are they thinking? Uh, the Me Too movement, again, is the culture reclaiming ground in the church. When the leaders of evangelicalism roll over for women preachers, the feminists have really won the battle. Um, the primary, the, the primary, the primary effort in feminism is not equality. It's not, they don't want equality. That's why 99% of plumbers are men. They don't want equal power to be a plumber. They want to be senators, preachers, congressmen, president, the power structure in a university. They want power, not equality. Um, and this is, this is the highest location they can ascend to that power in the evangelical church and overturn what is clearly scriptural. I think this is feminism gone to church. This is why we can't let the culture exegete the Bible. And I need to add a footnote. When the Southern Baptists met in June and they passed Resolution 9 and they said intersectionality and critical theory are useful tools in interpreting the Bible, that was a watershed moment for that entire movement. Because if the culture has the right to interpret the Bible, they will interpret the Bible and liberalism will take over. This is an evidence that they are allowing the culture to interpret the scripture. A couple weeks after that, there was a panel discussion of Southern Baptist leaders who said there should never be another translation committee without a Latino, an African-American, and a woman on it. Translation of the Bible? How about somebody who knows Greek and Hebrew? So... That's that's pretty much it. He says a little bit more there, but it's not... There's so much I want to say that I'm not going to say all right now about what he, that last part. Um, I'll just, number one, I'll just say, okay, the very last thing you just said about there needing to be uh, um, diversity on the, if, if ever there's a new translation made of the Bible, you know, they, they, they're saying that there needs to be diversity on that team of people who do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's saying, how about people who can speak Greek and, you know, and know the original language, basically? Okay, well, those people can be people of diversity. Yeah. Like, like that you're missing the point. Yeah. The point isn't let's not have people who speak Greek and whatever, but let's have people of diversity. No, the point is let's make sure we get people from different perspectives mm-hmm. who are qualified, but so that we have a greater understanding. And then, uh, I don't even, whatever. I, I can't remember. I, like it actually is very frustrating to me because I don't want to, bash John MacArthur and I don't know John MacArthur and he's very prominent in the, in the Christian realm and his I'm positive has brought many people into deeper faith and has helped bring people to Christ. And I'm sure he's done great work, but Holy crap. Like, are you really making your stand on this issue in terms of like, is it really that big of a deal to you that women can't be senators? Did you, did you catch that part? Yeah. He's like these feminists, you know, this, this, this feminist movement. They don't, they don't just want, you know, more equality. It's not about equality. It's about power. 
It's about them wanting to become sinners and the president. And what the he- what is that? What are you saying? What are you actually saying? You're not saying anything. What you're there's something else you're trying to say, and you're not saying it by saying that because we know that you don't. Surely, sh- surely you're okay with women having positions of power in your culture in our government. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. There are we can argue whether or not the Bible claims anything about women having positions of leadership in the church. We can argue that there are passages where we can go back and forth on that. Yeah. But like leadership in our government, what, what are you saying? And what I think you're saying is, and I don't want to get too much into this. We're almost nearing an end of this episode here. And because of this, I now want to like really break this all down. And like, because I, I don't know, I don't know, maybe he's right. I don't know. But like, I don't feel like he's right on a lot, a lot of this stuff, but I think that we can analyze the, the biblical texts and that's something that needs to be done. But like, I, to me, it sounds like he is scared. Again, it's, it's a fear. It's like, what are you afraid of? That's what I want to ask pretty much everybody, right? Is like, what are you afraid of? And to me, it's almost like he's afraid of losing his power. He sees that slipping away, right? The position and the power that he has. He's slipping away to, oh, how dare it be women? You know, it's like, but, it, but he obviously has a very, a, a biblical view in which he thinks the Bible is very clear, as he says. And, and again, this is dogma. I don't like dogma. Mm-hmm. He literally says, like, the, the Bible is very clear about this. The women shouldn't preach. Okay. The problem with that is it's not really clear. You have scholars, biblical scholars, who are on both sides. So how can you say that it's clear when we're still discussing it? If it was clear, we wouldn't even be discussing it. It's obviously not clear. That is so mind-boggling to me that people are so... And it, I have to, I have to hold myself because I, I don't want to bash him. But where does that come from outside of a place of arrogance? How do you know for sure? How do you know for sure that this is what the Bible says when there are other people who have studied just as long as you or longer who have come to a different conclusion? How do you know? That is arrogance. That's what it is. It's not humility. That is, is that not arrogance? Does that, when I position it that way, now maybe that's not the way to position it. Maybe I'm not positioning it right. But from where I'm standing, that's what it looks like. And it's just so bizarre to me. I'm seeing it. Oh, that was a passionate uh, moment there. I feel you. Um, arrogance, I can see where, where that's coming from. But in an, uh, another sense, I think... Don't let my passion hold you back. Oh, no, no. Because I know uh, that we may not agree <laughs> on this specific topic. Uh, no, it's... Again, I pick and choose my passionate topics. This one, I mean, one... My mom is one of the best preachers that I know. So it's a, a weird area for me. So I love hearing her preach. Um, now, I think his is a culmination of watching the evolution of the church in today's society versus what it was 20 years ago. And slowly, I think it does come from a loosening of power of what it always was and what everybody believed, and including women being preacher and all preachers and all this all this wasn't as big of a something to have to be brought up back in the day. Now, I mean, we have to, the, the church has to deal with women preachers. What do we do with homosexuality? What do we do with all these different areas? Like before weren't issues 20 years ago. And he's just feeling like the new age church is definitely losing its grasp on 
what it should be because he's stuck in what he always knew what church was versus now it's like the more we're giving up this, giving up this, giving up this, the more, including diversity. I mean, I don't know if he's all for the idea of diversity to him. And I don't want to put the whole white male, you know, view on how it was in certain areas. But I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's how he views things, but it's like the evolution of church does scare him. And it's, I don't know if it's him. Right. It uh, scares him. So my question is, what is he afraid of? You're, you're obviously afraid of change. He's afraid of change. Are, and it's why? not necessarily his power. It's what <clears throat> is the church becoming? What is okay. society becoming? What is the church's voice in society? And how is that changing? And according to him, he is seeing the change of church along with all these other movements happening at the same time. And the voice of the church decreasing and changing radically to something different than what he grew up it being. Right. And it comes with all these movements growing. And so he's putting them all together, including, including feminism. He's probably grouping them all together as the LGBTQ2, whatever letters, <laughs> um, and the feminist movement, all of them, we've watched them in the last 10 years grow so much. And he's like, all this is equated to the church's voice getting decreased. And so he sees women growing and the feminist movement growing is like, well, this is also right. taking away from what I see the Bible say. So I don't know if he's scared. It's not him <clears throat> being scared of his power, but he's scared of what happens now after our generation of male leaders leave. Then what's going to happen in the next generation? And the last dance that he can make is by openly putting it out here like this is wrong. If I'm going to be recorded, this is what I think is not right. And that's what he's going to say. Yeah. And so, I mean, even us understanding that there's several people that you can't even change. It's not something like a discussion. This is how they've been raised. And this is from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Like, what can we... All you can deal with is now the New Age church. How do they see things? Because you're not going to change how he sees no, things. No, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, I yeah. No, I agree. And I think you did a very good job of um, explaining it from his perspective. And I totally, I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, I, I, I empathize with his situation in the sense that, you know, this is what he's grown up with. I think he's like a fourth generation pastor. Like yeah. that, I mean, it, it runs in his blood, you know, like this is the fundamentalism and, and, and biblical literalness is, is just who he is, you know, and, and that is perfectly fine. And so I get it, but like, Goodness well, gracious, I don't see how this doesn't do anything but backfire. Oh, yeah, especially in today's society. Except for his small group of people. There, there, there is a group of people who are all about it, you know? It's the same type of fr- Trump effect, right? Yeah. Like, everybody thought, like, who's going to vote for Trump? Well, it turns out there's a whole load of people who are all about it, you know? And yeah. he speaks to those people, and they love everything he says. It's that same type of thing, you know? He's like, John MacArthur's in this room of people who he knows what they want to hear, and so he's going to say it. Yeah. And they and they applaud, you know. Yet when he throws out the other words of women growing into the idea that they want power positions of presidencies, yeah. it's, it's a dangerous slope saying stuff like that. Yeah, and being in a position of religious, you know, leadership, you know, it's like, hold on, is there a problem with that? Well, I mean, yeah. I think there's a huge problem. But obviously, by him doesn't. saying that, yeah, yeah, that, that's where I'm saying that's where he runs into problem. It. Again, if he stays on how he... Because, I mean, I can see where he's coming from in terms of the religious views on 
It's like, okay, if I'm going to take everything literally, I mean, he can. But now women not being allowed to be leaders in what, any aspect? Mm-hmm. That's that's a tricky yeah. area. You're, you're putting, you're definitely fighting a losing battle yeah. by going, taking such a strong stance. That's more too extreme to that level. I mean, I would just keep it more, I don't know, keep it more where if you're going to fight, just fight. Okay, should I follow a woman leader? Okay, in, in the church. Right. You know, it was like, okay, and I would stay there and just stay focused on that debate versus now broadening it. That's when well, he's but, messed yeah, up. But his worldview is like a church worldview. So whatever he, the structure of the church is whatever he's going to think the structure of society of the country should be, you yeah. know? And so I think he's just extrapolating that out to And that's dangerous those to things. Oh, it is extremely dangerous, and I don't know how that's biblical. And that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's just like... We read the same Bible, you know, but it's like, man, we have come to drastically different conclusions. And it really comes down to, I think, trying to really, as best as possible, understand the context context in which these passages are are written, right? And, And I... I didn't have a whole, I didn't, I, like I said, I just found out about this today. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to do a whole lot of background information, but I read a really good article that goes into concise, but deep explanations of the passages that people use to support both sides of this argument. Mm -hmm. And like, again, like, and, and these things are there, there, and it has citations from like scholars who have studied this stuff on both sides. And so my whole thing is just like, I just don't understand being. I don't understand like being so sure that you're right. When if you are in a position of leadership such as John MacArthur is in, like surely you have done your homework and you know that there are people, reputable scholars on both sides of this argument. So how do you just so, how do you so dogmatically land on one side? That is what I don't understand. I like, and to me personally, in my opinion, there has to be some pride and arrogance in in order to do that. Like, and I know, and I know we base it on, no, I, this is what my, I have this faith in the Bible and in the God's word, and this is what it is. And it's like, so do people who have a different view than you. They also have, um, so like. So if he used it, the premise of, in my opinion, versus just saying it straight as fact. Yeah. Well, I mean, he used, he used the, the word um, that it's cl- clear in scripture. Like this is clear in scripture. I, that's not exactly what he said, but it's basically, yeah. and it's like. No, it isn't. I don't understand how you come to that conclusion. Like, are you the preeminent scholar on these things? No, you're not. Yeah. And there are scholars on these things on both sides. So how exactly are you coming to this conclusion? Has God given you some sort of providential understanding of these specific things? Are you claiming that? Because I don't think you are. So how is it possible? Like, Logically, how is it possible that you are so dogmatically sure that your view is right? Give me a logical explanation of that. And if it doesn't include you being the preeminent scholar on this that everybody agrees with, or God providentially giving you some sort of knowledge about this, then you cannot come to these conclusions. And so it's like, I don't think you're bold enough to claim either one of those because one, the the scholarly one, like we could just dismiss because we know that you're not, even though you probably are very intelligent and probably are deemed somewhat of a scholar, but not the preeminent scholar on this issue. And the second one, we can't prove or disprove. So you might as well just claim that one. Yeah. Just claim that God has given you some sort of providential knowledge and then we can't really do anything with that. It's sort of just like a scapegoat. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Who knows? 
But I don't think you're bold enough to claim that because I think you're smart enough, you're wise enough to understand that that's just a scapegoat answer, right? So then what do we, what do I do then? What do I do with what you're claiming? You're just hoping that the majority of people aren't like me and they're not going to go and look at the stuff up and realize that there are scholars on both sides. That's what you're hoping and you're right because yeah. most people don't. Yeah. Okay. We need to wrap this up, and right. I would like to go. If I would like to go into more depth, I'd actually, I mean, th- this article that I read is really actually fascinating and very helpful. Again, from understanding like that, there's two different sides to this, you know. And so I would like to unpack it. And this whole the women's issue is, I don't know. I, I kind of like this angle. If we take it, and especially that coming from the Nanette thing too. Like, do you see how that flowed into that? Yeah. Because we're talking about patriarchal structures yeah. to where like. We've taught this is how men are, and you have dominion over women, basically. And here we are in, by the way, newsflash, people. Christianity is a, has a very long history of patriarchy, like from the beginning, basically. And it's kind of bizarre because when you read the Bible and you read G- what things Jesus did, he was like not for that. And then all of a sudden, it's like as soon as Jesus is gone, we have this patriarchy. And it's still here. Like we still have the, the evidence of that happening. So... I don't know. I, I like this angle. So maybe because I've been I've never haven't been able to we've talked a little bit about um, inequality between genders and I've tried to unpack that in different ways. And so maybe unpacking it in this way that just like starting from the biblical concept mm-hmm. and then unpacking it that way would be a better way to attack that. I don't know. Yeah. But um, OK, <laughs> goodness gracious, you got it all out there. <laughs> <Not yet>. um, <laughs> So maybe we'll, we'll come back to this in a later episode. I don't know. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, check us out Thank on the website. We ha- Listen, it's like we said at the beginning, it's been two or three minutes. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Timing guys. is just difficult. I, I'm trying to alleviate some of that, so maybe these will be more... Um, Frequentist. Frequent uh, in the future. But Yay. we love everybody. We love all of you. Love to play. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, we hope to retain your listenership. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about the food because uh, it's Chick-fil-A. <laughs> no, but it was great. I, I definitely will say Chick-fil-A sandwich, if you haven't ever tried it with cheese, go ahead and try it with cheese because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Micah has it. <laughs> I think he's... Uh, I'm not no. against it. I just don't know. I just don't need that, but okay. I don't I'm need sure it either, good. but it actually was a slight game changer. Um, and okay. whatever he had was just okay. No, mine was great. No, nah, it was okay. All right. Thank you. Till next time. Stir fryings. Peace out. Deuces.